want to be here. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away. A song away. A song away. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis. I'm Christy Stratton. And I'm Kyle Dotson. <laughs> and, <laughs> and very smooth. And joining us today... It's the visual element is, is jarring. <laughs> like, it's jarring. Joining Well, if we, were, if we were in the studio together, we'd be looking at each other. Right. Right. But then I would be able to like, oh, this is what I do now. Okay. I get I you. Say, I you got know, you. Plus, plus it, I saw you with, I saw the wine glass. So don't tell me that doesn't have something to do with it. There you it's go. full though. It's uh, full. Well, let's bring our guest in because yeah, he's not having fun currently, but he will in a minute. Uh, <laughs> joining us today in the Zoom room. It's a guy I've never met before. He looks pleasant. He looks fun. He's a friend of Christy Stratton's and his name is Michael Murphy. Michael, how you doing? Very good, Pat and Kyle. It's a pleasure. I, I, I'm a fan of the show. Well, that's uh, we always like to talk to a fan. Actually, we'd rather talk to a fan than a normal person. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, how, how long have you and uh, Christy known each other? Six years? Seven? Something like that. Yes. And where'd you guys meet? That's... A swingers club? What Like what kind of a place? Where... <laughs> Like, you know, as, as, as people that once you get, uh, after 40, you, you meet, it's hard to meet new friends, but you guys met each other the way I met Christy. Right. How'd you guys meet? Our, our children are friends. Just, ah, yeah. That, that's how it started. And, mm-hmm. uh, do you, um, I, I, I like Christy better than my children, my child. <laughs> Everyone What's does. Up? Everyone does. Did, uh, do your, do your kids go to school together? Are they on a sports team? Uh, they were on sports teams. My son is uh, more uh, into into things that aren't sports, I mm-hmm. should say. Uh, but uh, they they they've been on some karate and some baseball. Cool. I wish I could yeah. They remain to... they remain friends, even though like they started off at the same daycare, but then. They remain friends. They remain we friends. all did, and as as time went on. Now it's tricky. I mean, I'll tell you as a parent, it's tricky meeting uh, meeting friends that are parents at the school because you really need to feel those parents out before you drop your sense of humor on them. Because a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people are not down with. Uh, what uh, your sense of humor be might be or what definitely what mine is. So you really got, you got to feel those parents. Out. We like to, Pilar and I like to call them uh, the cool parents. You have to find the cool parents, uh-huh. right? Is that the case with you too? <laughs> well, with, with us, maybe not with Gary Mann, but we, you know, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Gary is, you know, we have to, in fact, he was like, well, when do I log on? I'm like, um, I'm not sure, honey, bun. I'm not sure. So. <laughs> so Michael, Christy told us that you have an interesting job. Want to, want to share it with everybody? Um, well, currently I do, uh, music business affairs for film and theatrical paramount. Okay. And, uh, been doing that for about four years. Uh, before that, I was in the music industry at both EMI and Universal. Okay. And in in that capacity, I was I was producing box sets and 
reissues and and uh, all the all the things that uh, get you to buy records over and over again. Basically, <laughs> tell us some of the uh, tell us some of the box sets and reissues you've worked on. Um, I worked on a Beatles box set, which was fun. The one everyone hated, which was their uh, a collection of all their U.S. albums. Uh, but you can't please Beatles collectors, yeah, or fans. Tell so. us about this. I don't know this band. The beat. Tell us a little bit about this band because this might be something I might want to look into. They're pretty good. Uh, a couple good records. A couple of them that you could skip. But uh, you know, they're they're uh, they could have they could have made a name for themselves if they stuck around longer. Now, why didn't people like that box set? I I bought some of the individual uh, albums in that box set. Like I bought uh, Hey Jude, and I bought uh, I bought the uh, Yesterday and Today. Is that the one with yes. the with the butcher the because... ba- butcher butcher baby cover? Yep. You guys yep. did a great thing. There was a sticker. It had the original. It had the the original cover. You could put the sticker. Over. I thought you did a great job. We we had a lot of R and D to try to figure out how to make it almost like uh, that. You could like stick it on and off. What was the color forms? Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Color forms. Oh, sure. Yes. Uh, but, sure. I'm uh, 75 yeah, years old, Michael. <laughs> Kyle is. Um, I had color but, forms. Yeah. You did. Yeah, I had Batman Forever and like a one that was like a Hanna Barbera like. You know, Yogi and Snagglepuss and all that bullshit. <laughs> yeah, you know that, that thing. You can't please Beatles fans because they, uh, you know, what they wanted was the U, the the original U.S. albums that sounded terrible because you know before the Beatles were <laughs> Beatles, they would send over their masters to Capitol and the engineers would be like, we gotta we gotta kind of U.S. this thing up. Yeah, and so they turn up reverb. They basically do whatever they wanted to these to these singles, like some of the early stuff. And they sounded terrible, but the, that's what the fan the fans wanted something that sounded terrible, and we wanted to give them something that sounded good. Well, th- thank you for turning out a good product, Michael. You pissed a lot of people off, but some of us appreciate it. <laughs> well, that must be a great. Now that sounds like a job that you would want to go to every day. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was, it was. I think you know as. As this, you know, I left right before streaming kind of did the tipping point. Okay. And, you know, I was able to work on, I worked on a lot of like smaller things that I, that were kind of close to me, whether it was like I did I was Elvis Costello or Steve Earle and the Jayhawks and things, things that Matt, you know, that I loved, but it, you know, it, it was hard to, to get a project to pass the, the P&L stage and all the, the sign-offs because there were, the margins were just razor thin yep. and uh, they still are, I'm sure. I mean, you know, uh, so, you know, when you're, when I wasn't the guy doing, you know, Nirvana or Bob Marley or things that were going to find them their way into target, you know, so right. you're, you were doing, uh, the, you were doing the niche niche stuff that the yeah. real music fans are looking for. Yeah. Excellent. And it was great. And I got bored. So I decided to, uh, uh, flex uh, my mental muscle in legal affairs, which sounds boring, but I like it. Uh, Christian, I always like to kind of call it and be like, hey, how much does this song cost? Do you guys have this music? And I know on Bless the Hearts, that would come through. Yeah, yeah. Like we did, was it Patti LaBelle? There were some yeah. things that came there through. And I find that so, I I think that's fascinating. What's the fascinating. What's the most expensive song to license, Michael? Um, it would be most, I mean, definitely Led Zeppelin is up there. You know, you might, I think you, you might be around 500,000 maybe. And for like, 500, it's going to cost you a lot of money for 500,000. How much do I get the whole entire song or what, what, what does that get me? 
Um, it, it, mostly it'll, it, most likely it'll get you the whole song, but it depends. If you want to play the whole song, then it might be, you know, something else. It all depends on length okay. and usage. If you wanted to use it in an end credit or something, or even in a, like a main title, if it was TV, it's going to cost you a fortune. Now, if I wanted cashmere, would that cost me $4 million? Cause that's an eight minute song. Would it be, does it, <laughs> does it matter what the song length is? Yeah, it does actually. It does. Okay. Then Moby Dick, if, you know, we're learning. We're learning. Well, what if somebody re-recorded Cashmere? Like some member of the cast wanted to just re-record ah. it. What would those? What would that cost? So I, I, you can't quote me on this, but I think then you'd still have to clear the song. So you're still mm. at maybe like you're still probably around two hundred, and then the someone either at the publisher, someone would have to approve it, especially with Led Zeppelin. Like I just saw. Okay. My, my wife and I saw a commercial where it was a Led Zeppelin uh, uh, sound, like kind of like a re-record. It wasn't, you you knew it wasn't, because there's laws that you can't just make it sound just like Led Zeppelin. That was where Tom Waits won all that money from Frito-Lay. So you have to, you can, you want people to know it's a Led Zeppelin song, but they can't be tricked that they think they're listening to Led Zeppelin. It's funny that we're talking about Led yeah. Zeppelin in this way, because um, they're kind of known for, you know, nicking a song here or there themselves. So it's interesting that Led Zeppelin's the the the, the group that came up. But um, <laughs> uh, Michael, let me ask you this: uh, Who are your top five favorite bands off the top of your head? Oh, off the top of my head, I I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan. Uh, Hold I, two, <laughs> one. Okay. Uh. Are you liking? Are you liking that letters? Uh, letters to you. I wanted to like it more than I liked it. Did you watch the documentary? No, I heard it was great. You? Uh, yeah, I watched it. He it, he kind of makes me laugh because, uh, you know, he's narrating the thing and like, let me see if I can, let me see if I can imitate it a little bit. <laughs> like every, it's all the same. Everything's the same. He's just like he's like, when I was growing up in Jersey. We were blessed with beautiful summers and very cold winters. But through it all, no matter what the climate was, music is what brought us together and saw us through in cold nights and hot days. <laughs> These are the men who made that music with me. My brothers in arms. We've been together 80 years. <laughs> Nils, Stephen, many have passed, including the big man and Danny Federici. I mean, that's just like everything is about, he can talk about anything. When you open your refrigerator, sometimes you get a salad and sometimes you get a sandwich. But no matter what you eat, there's music. And that music, <laughs> it's just like, I'm like, okay, I get it. But uh, I'll edit that down to about three seconds. But, um, <laughs> but you so you don't. That is you will. excellent, Pat. Oh, well, no, thank you. Really We're good. even no. hiding that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so you don't, you, you, you want to like the album, but you don't quite like it. I just, I, you know, I, I, the, the lead off songs I was really uh, excited about. Yeah. And then like, you know, it just, I wanted to love it and it didn't, I listened to it a few times and I was like, okay, 
it, there's a few songs. I really ended up liking the last one a lot. That Western Skies record, I thought. Was yeah, I, I thought Western Skies was very good too. All right. Well, there you there you go. There's old men talk. Uh, Christy, what? <laughs> Christy, how's, uh, how's I recently? I recently saw him. By the way, I don't know if you've seen the new Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony, the the virtual one, but it's actually kind of cool because the video segments are longer and get more in depth into the, cause usually at the ceremony, they're very quick. Right. And these are, uh, and, and ha each have a kind of a unique style and there's more people, uh, interviewed. And I actually thought it worked. I think cool. in, in memoriam, you know, uh, was lovely of course. Um, but, uh, I, John Landau was, um, and there was all this stuff that I didn't realize that he did. And it was really cool. And Bruce was, he was <laughs> interviewed. Like it, it, it's just so, so spot on. Bruce, Bruce, <laughs> Bruce looks great. A, a, yeah. He looks amazing. He's like 104. He's like, unbelievable. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. He's, he's looking good. Hearing into that Iggy pop realm though, where he, I don't know if it's all human. There's something else happening. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> all right. So today's topic, Christy, you came up with this or did Michael come up with this? Or Well, because I know Michael has a lot of great stories working in a record store and record stores were very important to me growing up, although I was never able to get that job. Mm. Uh, so uh, we just kind of thought maybe that would be a good uh, topic. I think it's great. And, uh, because I've worked in, I worked in three record stores throughout my uh, life. So, uh, so I'm excited to talk about it because, um, I don't know if, uh, and so Christy, Michael and I will play songs that make us, I guess, think of working in a record store and you're going to pl play songs that make you think of just going and being in a record store. Well, or, or specific things about the record stores that I loved growing up and all of that. And yes. Kyle, are you old enough to remember record stores, like an actual <laughs> record store? Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I remember, like a Coconuts record store, or like even like a, you know, like something like that, like more commercial that also kind of had movies and stuff. Yeah. So it wasn't true record store. Yeah. For some reason, any food could be the name of a record store. Oh, I work down at Tomatoes, or uh, hey, banana. Uh -huh. I work at Banana Records. Yeah, um, but down to great nuts. <laughs> Y'all, great nuts is fantastic. <laughs> it's heart healthy. Um, so, Michael, uh, how many record stores did you work in? Believe it or not, uh, with the exception of a, a brief stint, uh, very brief, because I'm old at a at a warehouse. <laughs> um, I worked over one record store. It was a small chain called Moby Disc Records in Los Angeles. I remember Moby Disc. And, uh, it was on uh, Ventura Boulevard. What was that? And on Ventura yes, Boulevard. Yes. Yeah, I like that place. Um, I started right after high school in like the mid-80s, all through the 90s. Nice. So right when people sold all their records to buy CDs, and then when they sold all their CDs to uh, steal music on Napster. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the first record store I worked at was National... No, no, that's wrong. Easy, Pat. Check your notes. I worked at Peaches... In Bethel, oh, Peaches in that's Be the first one I was going to bring up. I loved Peaches. Yeah, in Bethel Park, PA. I, it was during my uh, gap year. After uh, my junior year in college, I took a year off, uh, much to my parents' chagrin. You'll never go back. You'll never go back. I went back. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I, I lived with Kyle's uh, dad, my brother, and uh, and his wife, and I worked at, uh, I worked at Peaches. Who's my mom? 
just that is that's right. My brother, my brother's, uh, <laughs> my my brother's wife is your mom. That's right. <laughs> um, it wasn't and, like he had a different wife, and then <laughs> wait, maybe what, he did. Maybe know. you don't know. You weren't you weren't around. I um, around. But I remember when I got my job at a record store. It was like the heavens opened up. It was like. <sighs> are you kidding me? Like I get to touch all this stuff and organize it and alphabetize it. And then it was like, Hey, how do we decide what's played in the store? Oh, we each take turns. We can each uh, pick an album side of something that was just released. What the fuck? I mean, it was the best. It was so good. Uh, What was that? (laughs) I'm so jealous. Yeah. I mean, I could not get that job. I worked at Baskin Robbins and then Foot Locker those places would not have me for whatever reason. I don't understand that. You're a, you're a music aficionado. I know. What do you mean? I no, know. I, I'm just saying, I know, like, I don't know what oh, okay. their deal was. I don't know either. So let's kick it yeah. off. We'll, we'll, ladies first, uh, Chrissy, we'll okay. let you, we'll let you kick it off with a, okay. with a tune. All right. Yes. Okay. So this first song, this was the first album I bought with my own money. And there were two albums. It was this one, which I'm going to play a cut from. This is the Who's Face Dances. And, um, of course, the Cars. But I played the Cars all the time. So I I picked a song off of this album. Because to me, and I mentioned this on the show, like Kenny Jones was the Who drummer. Like that, when, when I became sentient with regards to music, Kenny Jones was the drummer for The Who, and I didn't know anything any any better. I had my first Hit Parader magazine. They were on the cover with Kenny Jones. And um, the music, like, I liked You Better, You Better, but the, the, the songs, I didn't really understand, really, but I still liked them. And this particular one is particularly weird, and I think it's called Cash Cash. But when they sing it, they know, sing I like... pronounced they- it Cache Cache. Right? Like, I don't know. Yeah, because that's how they sing it. Like, kashish, kashish. It's weird. I have no idea what it has to do with bears and anything, but uh, here it is. This is cash, cash. Kashish, kashish. Sure, you can do the thing. It's that's plenty of that song. <laughs> I am. It's, I don't think a classic, but as an eleven-year-old, I'm like, ooh, this is interesting. <laughs> the maybe, story of a man that fell asleep in a bear pit. <laughs> maybe that's why you. Maybe that's why you didn't get hired at the record store. They said, name your top three favorite drummers. Well, Kenny Jones. All right, Kenny I'm, Jones. I'm sorry. We, <laughs> I'm sure. sorry. <laughs> I love that song. I am. Uh, I love those two 80s Who albums. I love Face Dances and I love It's Hard. And I, look, I know people will go, it's not as good as their classic. Look, I love it because I, I was a teenager in the 80s. So I, I love it. I love all the Who, but I really have an affection for those two albums. Michael, what do you think of uh, Face Dances? You know, I, I think, to be fair, I think I might have heard Tommy because I think my eighth grade teacher played it. The cool teacher. Uh, and that might have been my first introduction to Tommy, but I, I became, I'm a huge Who fan. So I like those records a lot. I, 
I uh, and I just got to see them live for the first time, strangely enough, at the Hollywood Bowl not that long ago, and they were great. I was there. I, I went to two of those shows. They were fantastic. Fantastic. Did you go yeah, the night Liam uh, Liam Gallagher uh, came late and played like three songs? And yeah, that was the one. He complained about the traffic. Played a few songs. Yeah. And left. I got to, uh, my, uh, my friend who I went with that night was, is, was a friend, is it really, a really good friend with the guy who, uh, control does the camera work for the shows. Ooh. So we got to go early and we got to walk the stage before the show. And then we got to eat with the band. It was like Pete Townsend was like a table away from me. Now we couldn't talk to Pete uh. Townsend. Uh, I probably could have said past the Tabasco, but we just, I just kind of looked at him the whole time. It was it was does it was surreal. Like a, does he get like a special vegan meal or something? They they had they had they had everything there. They had everything. No masks. How many people were there like eating with them? Um it was it was it was the band and the crew. But Daltrey wasn't there because he gets a massage and some acupuncture before the show. Mm. So and you got to eat Liam Gallagher's food? I ate Liam Gallagher's food because he was late. <laughs> <laughs> all right michael what but do you that record oh i was no, gonna no. say that i i got that at peaches like peaches was the at the time record store to go to and and i have very i think i still had a, like a peaches cassette because they sold the just the general cassettes that you could tape stuff nice i loved peaches peaches was fantastic how when you would go to the record store christy how long would you hang out there would it be like would you be there like a, an hour just that's a good question because certain ones like Peaches, which then later became Sound Warehouse, uh, I couldn't stay long when I was younger mm -hmm. because it wasn't in a mall. There were the ones that were in the mall and we would just be dropped off right. at, at 12, 13 years old and you can roam the mall. And uh, so that I could just be there forever. But right. when it was a standalone like that, it was usually not very long. Just run in and get your album and get your stupid album and get back out here, Christy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've said this on the show before. I would buy so many albums, but I always worked. I, I, I always had a job. So I would, it was my money. And my parents would get mad that I was buying albums. And I would always say, I could be buying drugs. I'm buying uh -huh. albums. So at one point, you entered our house through the back door. Well, when I would buy albums, I would leave them at the front door. I would enter through the back door, and then the front door was by the, the stairs that went upstairs. Then I would just open the front door, bring my album purchases in, and walk them upstairs. Like I was sneak again, like I'm sneaking like heroin into the house instead of Billy Joel and Kiss. It's because you just don't want the hassle. You don't want the hassle. So I was like, it's $12, people. Shut up. Yeah, they were expensive. Yeah. Michael, what song do you got for us? Uh, well, this one, it, it, not necessarily a song I like, but, you know, so uh, Moby Disc Records sold new and used records. I don't know if Peaches did. Did Peaches no. sell used? No, just new. Oh. No. So the benefit of a used record store, one, is that you could listen, you literally could listen to anything you wanted, period. Yeah. Everyone everyone got a chance to play a side, as you, you were saying, Pat, uh, except later on, I wouldn't, when I was running stores, I wouldn't let anyone play Red Hot Chili Peppers because <laughs> I just don't like them. <laughs> but but uh, so uh, um, I one of my earliest memories because thinking about this uh, you know these songs and just stories uh, you know 
one of my earliest memories was uh, my friend Jeff, who became a, one of my best friends. We've known now for 30 years. We were working together. And, you know, and the, it, 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 Moby Disc was kind of like, you know, at least in L.A. at the time, it was like the cool record store. Yeah. You know, we you could rent Japanese videos and like, you know, it was one of those places. But because it was used, you could play whatever you wanted. And uh, she would get I would start playing Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell just to infuriate. Because, <laughs> first of all, it's a nine minute song. <laughs> which is unacceptable. And uh, I would put it on, and I was a little clerk at this point. He would come out from the back room, take it off the stereo, open up the door, and throw it outside. <laughs> to that, because it was used record store, I'd just go to the bin and grab another one and put it on. <laughs> and you could do that. There were some records, Bad Out of Hell, uh, Jethro Tull, Fleetwood Mac, the records everyone owned. You could, there was a nonstop yeah. copy of, of certain records. It never failed. Uh, so uh, this is a little bit of Bad Out of Hell. I forget the timing. It's nine minutes. It's maybe in the middle. It's, it's a Thunder Road and Born to Run and a lot of jazz movies. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it so much. And I believe we have some E Street Band members on that. Roy Bitten and I think Max Weinberg play on that album. I don't know. I didn't know that. And that yeah. makes a lot wow. of sense. Yeah, I'm pretty, I, I'm, I'm almost positive. I would bet money oh, on it. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, I that, well, that's going to lead me to my next thing. It's not about uh, Meatloaf or Springsteen. But we got to, at National Record Mart, like I said, we could each play a, you could play a side of one album. So the new, this new Ramones album came in called Animal Boy. And uh, I loved it. And another guy that worked there, Craig Bohr. And Craig had super long blonde hair, but then it was like, it was up like the alarm, like sprayed like so high. Mm -hmm. And so- Jealous. Yeah, it was, <laughs> and I think he was in a band, he played bass. And uh, he was, you know, he was super cool. Had a big nose like Rod Stewart too, like the whole thing. So- I would play my side. I would play, I would play one side of animal boy and then he would play the other. So we got to hear the whole album because, and then finally uh, the manager, Jane, who was by the way, very uh, Jane was older than us, obviously, but she would, you know, then we probably thought she was 45. She's probably 28. You know what I mean? But she was a uh, very flirty and kind of, sorry, Christy, kind of sexy. And it was just okay. like, she was really, she was really cool. Like you would, you know, if she told you to do something, you'd do it. And, uh, and, um, but we used to play this animal boy album top to bottom until Jane wouldn't let us anymore. And, uh, so I just picked, uh, somebody put something in my drink, which kicks off the album.
we also thought we were getting something over on uh, on the management because there's a there's a song called Animal Boy, and they they talk about this this freaky guy. He's got a I think I think the lyric is he's got a pimply erection. So we just thought we were getting we were getting over by having uh, something raucous being played. Bad boys, play it. <laughs> <laughs> Christy, you're up next. Follow, follow up that. Well, I have something that I is also terrible, but wait a minute. So when we, when I was 13, used to just be dropped off at the mall and this spectacular mall, the Ridgemar mall, which is now like a ghost mall or whatever, a dead mall. But there was not one, but two record stores. Ah, Love it. Uh, And one was called Hastings and it was my favorite because it had the big yellow book. Anytime I heard a song that I didn't know, I would write down the lyric and then I'd go and see if that lyric was in the, like if that was the song title. Like I remember hearing Games Without Frontiers and of course the DJs then like just didn't talk. So like I never, I had to just figure out how, what the song titles were just from remembering a little piece and then going to the big book. Um, But this one particular uh, Saturday, my friend Susie and I were dropped off at the mall and this this like local band uh, called Pantera was set up. Uh, a table was set up, and these young guys, like one of them, are like a one of them was cute, and one of them was like kind of cute. Um, and we didn't, we'd never heard of them, we didn't know them, and they were like trying to get w- girls to give them their earrings. And I, we either didn't have them on or whatever. I think we went to Miss Bojangles and bought them like a little pair. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America of some kind of dangly earrings to whatever. Uh, but they were, it was like, oh, it's a real bad, like they're not going to go anywhere. <laughs> and then for Christmas that year, I think my dad or somebody got me that record. And I listened to it and I'm like, this is not for me. Like I, these guys, like good luck. And I imagine my surprise that they actually, you know, became huge. <laughs> yes, they took <laughs> so off. I want, I, I, but you guys, I mean, are they good? Okay, well, just play this, play this little <laughs> They're clip. They're not my this cup of tea. From, okay, play this little clip. This is Ride My Rock. Ride My Rock. Yeah, song. that's a ride my rocket. That's some uh, that's some kiss like lyrics there. Ride my rocket. <laughs> How did Ace Frehley not cover this one? Um, uh, now, Christy, that's on an album that I that you can't get anymore. We had to pull that off of YouTube. It. Yeah, what's the yeah. album called? Is it Metal Magic? 
Yes. Yeah, metal and magic. It's very, and I remember the cover was uh, not shiny. It was like a matte cover, yeah. and it had a creature, and it was just. I'm like, this is not for me. <laughs> Kyle, I feel like you're. But a, are you? I got a, to meet them. No, that's cool. Yeah, before they were Pantera, before they were big. Yeah. Kyle, do you yeah. like Pantera? I feel like you would like later um, day Pantera. It, it's okay. I, I really only like that one song, that Cowboys from Hell, and everything else kind of sounds like it. All right. So. They're no Motorhead. No. No. <laughs> how did they go from that to, to like, I'm not that familiar with them, but weren't they kind of like loud and kind of screamy, a lot of tattoos? And that sounded like Kiss. Uh, it sounded a little bit like Kiss. Yep. They, well, and Metallica mean? would be kind of maybe because that kind of thing. I don't know what. Like honestly, I don't know because it to me didn't offer anything that was. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a pretty easy sell when it's like I got a little melody and some cute guys, but. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. Michael, what's next on the playlist from you? Um. Well, this, this, uh, again, this next song, I'm not, uh, I was never a huge fan of the band, but, uh, I mean, I liked them, but you know, when I started thinking about, especially like in the eighties working in record stores, it's like, this was a record that when it came out, we had heard nothing like it before. Um, and granted full disclosure, it's a bunch of white guys in the Valley. So maybe that's it, but we'd heard, we'd heard nothing, nothing, like with the use of samples and this is the first track off beastie boys license to ill and i think it's because you you get a led zeppelin sample you get a black sabbath sample and we put it on and i and i remember us all just standing around kind of with our mouths open because it was something we had never heard yeah. and we you know we prided ourselves on being these you know ultimate hipsters and this came out and we were like whoa i've never heard anything like this um so uh, this is the first track on License to Ill, Rhyming and Stealing. All right. Right. You know, in, in 1986 or something, I don't know. We've never heard anything like it. How how much is the licensing on just a sample yeah. like that? You, you, you want to know uh, something funny? Uh, the the rules, I believe, I, I the way I understand the rules changed a lot, uh, much longer after that record came out. Okay, which is why they can't. Same thing with their second record, Paul's Boutique. They can't change the album because it will trigger new licenses. And the licenses would cost them millions of dollars. Wow. So because back then, you know, sampling was brand new. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know exactly what they paid for, you know, and it's why I think you don't hear a lot of those things in in commercials and stuff, because then they would open up this can of worms. Gotcha. 
Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I'll get, you know, the publishers got wise to it soon enough, but. <laughs> well, uh, that song rhyming and stealing that kind of leads into my next thing, because a lot of, uh, a lot of my, um, working at record stores, there was a, there was some thievery uh, going on, which I'm not uh, proud of as a grown up, but, uh, as a, as a kid, eh, a kid's, uh, yeah, I, I knew better, but, um, <laughs> here's an example. Uh, I knew, uh, I knew of, uh, I knew of Def Leppard from MTV. I knew all the stuff from Pyromania, you know, rock, rock till you drop and photograph. And one day we're unpacking the stuff at the record store and we have a, we get a promotional cassette for Def Leppard, uh, hysteria. And it was, it was, it wasn't, it was, it was like the actual cassette. It was in plastic and everything, but the album wasn't coming out for like seven weeks. Well, I took the cassette. I put it right in my pocket, and I did. Oh, what what happened there? What was that? I have no idea. Was like an ad or something. All right, and so I put it right in my pocket, and I went home. I didn't even. So the record store never even knew we got this thing in. I felt like I had, you know, something top secret, and it kind of was back then because you, you know, you couldn't. And I just played that thing to death, and just mm-hmm. every single th- I, every single song was great, and you know. Yep. When I got to the title track, that one just really just kicked it into overdrive for me. So let's hear a little bit of Hysteria. this album was it was a slow starter selling because the first single was women and that didn't catch on i think and i think the second single didn't catch on either and then whatever the third one was it was either animal or armageddon whatever it was then we couldn't we couldn't keep it on the racks like yeah people would come in and go do you got the new def leppard we'd be like we're supposed to get some in friday you know it was just like one of those we just couldn't keep it in what is that? What's that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm closing my browser tabs trying to figure out what keeps making a sound. Yeah, it sounds like someone's banging on a bass drum. Is that a sample? Are you playing a sample, Mike, from uh, your am. house? All right. <laughs> All right, Christy, I it was back. An accent to some of your jokes. Okay. <laughs> um, my next album, I actually still oh. have it. Now, oh my I God. could not afford. I could not afford to have the record collection I wanted. But Cut out. if there was a record that I kind of wanted and it was a cutout, I would buy it. Yeah. And so I had several of these um, and because I did not have money. And this is a, like the who with Kenny Jones to me, to me, Nazareth was this, like I didn't get into like old Nazareth mm-hmm. and love hurts and, and, and hair of the dog, which I love, but 
I didn't come to that till later. This was like the MTV era Nazareth. And this is called, uh, from 2XS. And this is uh, Love Leads to Madness. Now, before you play that, hold that up. Oh. Let, let Kyle critique that album cover. Kyle, look at this. They're, now, na- <laughs> Nazareth has a nice logo, Kyle. That's their logo. What do you yeah. think of that? 2XS. I mean, <laughs> it could Which be I way worse. It could be way it worse. It could be way worse. It's the number, so it's, it's a number two, it's an X and it's an S and it's on fire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't it's even not bad. It it's not terrible. So, no, it's not what t- do the other comps look like? Was it a little yeah. bigger? Or? And by the way, this is the back cover. Sure it is. Just, it's the reverse <laughs> of it. Yep. That's a lazy back cover. No band photo, yeah. just that. No. Like what? Like here's here's what I would have done if I was an art director. The back cover would have been all the band with lighters, and they're setting that on fire. But no, and even the inner sleeve is just like a half-assed picture of them. <laughs> hey, like, hey, sleeve, glad you guys came in for a meeting. Can you go stand yeah, by yeah. that bookshelf, and we'll get an intern yeah. to take your picture? That's like yes, yes. That's like the picture that's taken like a second before they're awarded a gold record. <laughs> they're just waiting. Yeah. All right, let's hear a yeah, uh, and M phoning it in. I'm sorry. Say the song again, Christy. It's a great tune. Love leads to madness. Yes. Oh, oh, I'm glad you like it. Side two, but I didn't like that song. That's that was the same as with me. Sometimes I would buy an album because I liked the song. Like I, I know I had a Firefall album because I like just remember I love you, and uh, (laughs) and I listened to the whole album once, and then I would just move the needle to that song constantly. That because that album was not for me, but that song was (laughs) for sure. Ah, That's a good song. You mean the rest of the record wasn't good? That's hard. No, it wasn't. Michael, what's up? What do you got? Well, you know, uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, much like your story about the Def Leppard cassette, uh, I remember, and uh, I remember when we got in. I was a big U two fan, um, and I saw, you know, by by unforgettable fire. I'm like, this is the greatest band in the world. I saw him on that tour. They put up bad. They were on Live Aid. He's, you know, Bono is this. He he was like, you know, the greatest rock star in the world, and so. We're working one day and in the mail we get because they would always send us promos in the mail because right. you know and it was it was the uh uh white label 12 inch uh single pressing of with or without you. Oh my god. Now we've all heard this song, but I think you gotta think like coming off of 
Unforgettable Fire, which was just such a great record. Mm-hmm. And and they they turned themselves into this amazing band with all these textures. If you could put yourself back in that place and this is the next song, you're like, oh my God, this is the next U2 song. This is going to be amazing. It kind of sucks. <laughs> like when you go from... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, they redeem themselves because there was other songs on Joshua Tree which harken back. But if this was the first, I remember we all put it on and we were like, whoa, the new U2 single. And we were like, we're just really underwhelmed. Oh, no. And it just sounded like a slow dance. And uh, <laughs> so I, 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 I give this up. And I'm not saying it's a bad song. I'm saying. If that was the first, if you could think about that, it's the first song you heard after they've become this amazing band. You're like, oh, maybe they don't have it in them. <laughs> Let's hear it with or without you. Just play a little bit. Just, especially, just, you know, I don't know where I put this song. <laughs> uh, no, no passion, no drama, nothing. <laughs> About the bass, you like the bass? I know, but sort of homecoming. What happened? Like then we got this. So when they play this now, Michael, do you, do you uh do you go to the bathroom? Is that when you go to the restroom? <laughs> See the I put on my roller skates and it's not eyes. See the thorn twist in your side. I'll wait for you. You get the idea. But, uh, okay, so. But see, here's what I will say. I remember, like, as a teenager and having such, you know, a crush on this one boy who was a soccer player. And, like, I can, I, to me, I had, I, that was more accessible to me than, you know, broken bottles on the children's feet like i i and i recognize how though that other is uh, i recognize how that is you know more meaningful or whatever but as someone who was just pining and who was just dreaming like that i connected at least to that i i know that sounds silly but um, no 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 i agree <laughs> maybe it was the turning point for that band you know because we have the first three rap four records and then you've got the rest I, and- and Michael, I had the exact opposite uh, feeling when I heard With or Without You, because I think I saw it on MTV first, and I just loved it. I just thought it, I, and I still love it, and uh, unabashedly, but I, I, I'm not going to argue with you because I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but let me ask you this. When you heard Every Breath You Take, did you feel the same way you did as when you heard With or Without You? Well, I don't know. I was a little, I was younger and I remember, uh, you know, I was all, all, uh, all in for the police at that point. Yeah. Uh, I could live my lifetime without hearing that song again. Right. Probably. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and, the, you know, the, the rest of the record, uh, uh, I think had other things on it, but yeah, that's another one okay. that just, but I was more into, I think I was younger, a little more into the police. I was hunting down all those, never found the black and white cover of the album. And, you know, they had different colors yeah. and it's like, but, and uh, one more question. I still like the song and I like you too. It's just, it was very underwhelming when you're so excited to hear the new U2 song and you think you're really cool and you put it on in it. Well, Kyle, 
<laughs> Kyle and I just had that because we love the Foo Fighters and we were not big on shame, shame when we first heard it. But we're coming around on it now. We're coming around on yeah, it. Yeah, it's coming around. I want to hear the rest of the yeah. album. Because Dave, Dave Grohl said that the rest of the album is not like that single. So yeah. we'll see. Um, one more question, Michael. The first time I saw you 2 was also the Unforgettable Fire Tour. Who was the opening band when you saw them? Oh, God. You know, Pat, I don't remember. What I do remember was at the sports arena in Los Angeles, and I we were running late, as teenagers often do, and we paid someone like $20 to literally park in their driveway. Wow. God knows where I was parking. And, and 20 time. bucks in 84 is a lot of money. Yeah, it, was, it was something ridiculous. Uh so I don't, I don't remember, but I do, I mean, I remember being so excited and uh, truth be told, that's the only time I've seen them. Wow. Well, Even that was a great tour. To and I, uh, when I saw them, it was a Pittsburgh civic arena and lone justice opened. And I remember oh, wow. Maria McKee came out, uh, wrote a skateboard out onto the stage and it was just like, <laughs> you know, it's, awesome. you know, back then it was like little things like that. You were like, look at that's crazy, but you were, but it's just, it's just a skateboard, but it looked, it was so cool. Cause she was a chick and she's on a skateboard and she's cute. I saw them amazing. open for Tom Petty years ago. Oh, that's yeah. Wait, cause didn't he yeah. write ways to be wicked for them? I think Jimmy, oh, I, yeah. and I think Jimmy Iovine produced, uh, the album that that's on. So that's the connection. All right. Shelter. All right. Moving on. Moving on. All right. Uh, Is it you? It's you. It's me. It's me. Uh, Oh, so back to some thievery. Um, When I worked at, (laughs) when I worked at my, when I, when I worked at uh, the national record mart, um, Mm. we, there there wasn't, uh, there weren't sensors on things. You didn't walk through a, you know, a thing that would beep when you left. So I realized (laughs) That if my friends came in and just bought like a blank cassette, I could just put whatever in their bag and they could just walk out with it. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's look, I know I've hopefully I've bought enough music in my lifetime to make up for this. Yes. Right. That's true. But I remember, I remember distinctly that I was like, uh, there was an Eddie Money, uh, No Control album on cassette. I didn't even like cassettes, but I had a cassette, new cassette player in my car. And I was just like, yeah, just throw that in. I'll just throw that in the bag, too, and you guys can give me that later. So here's Eddie Money, Think I'm in Love. Mm. Ooh, something's got hold of me now. It's a feeling. That's the video where Eddie Eddie Money's Dracula. <laughs> oh right! <laughs> oh my god! So ridiculous. Love those eighties. Not Lo- to be mixed up with when Meatloaf was Dracula in that that one video. The uh, I, I will do anything well, for love, but I won't do that. I think I think he's Beauty and the Beast in that because in the end, oh okay, that was one of You're my right. uh, that that was one of my uh, stand up jokes. When that when that uh, meatloaf song was out, 
I would say. And then at the end of the video, she kisses the beast and he turns into meatloaf. I don't think she kissed him hard enough. <laughs> mm. All right, Christy, you are up. Yes, go ahead, Michael. No, does the song ever reveal what he won't do? I've never listened to it. Well, but it's like he says, but um, I'll never let, I will never forget the way that you treat the da, 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 da. I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. Like he does say, I'll never, but it's this whole thing yeah. that you're like, you have to really go back. You okay. have to really have been listening. Now I can't explain so, it, but I can tell you this. Meatloaf did a VH Meatloaf did a VH1 storytellers at the time. So this is probably on YouTube <laughs> and he actually brought out uh, a chalkboard and wrote out some uh-huh. lyrics and he actually did like a little dissertation on exactly what, how to interpret the song. It was pretty cool. So <laughs> oh my God, look that funny. up. I would tell you this uh-huh. he, since we, since you brought it up, uh, they originally wanted Melissa Etheridge to sing the female part on that song. Oh. But uh, for for whatever reason, that didn't happen. Christy, back to I, you. Okay, <laughs> I okay. So Peaches became Sound Warehouse, and that was the biggest uh, record store in town. Yeah, and I can remember like finding. Uh, oh my gosh, there's a Cars picture disc, and like just really um, finding all kinds of cool stuff there. And uh, my mother, who always said. Oh, this is a phase. You're going to grow out of this. Um, Wait a minute. You're going to grow out of music? Right. Okay. I think it might have been specifically like the cars, but I think okay. she just meant like, you're going to grow out of this. But I I have to give her credit. One time when, because as a teenage girl in the 80s, like Huey Lewis was a dreamboat. The end. <laughs> and the uh, those songs were so catchy and and he was going to play Six Flags over Texas and the first 100 people in line to buy the sports album got a free ticket. And my mother, who just never really, you know, would was never encouraging of my love of music or any of that, because it was during school hours. So she waited in line, however long that line was, to get me the album and to get me that free ticket. And the show was great. And the album is like a fun throwback, a trifle from the time that, um, but still makes me smile. I'll say it. That's a, that's a good parenting story. That's a good, uh, good on mom. (laughs) No, seriously. Good on mom for doing that for you. Yeah. And and just so you know, in 2021, Huey Lewis might play six flags again. So, um, (laughs) What Maybe. song is what song Maybe. is it, Christy? What song? It's, uh, if this is it. If. I've been phoning a night and morning. I heard you say, tell him I'm not home. Now you're confessing, but I'm still guessing. I've been your fool for so, so long. Girl, don't lie. Just to save my feelings, girl, don't. 
nobody. If it's it's amazing to me. First of all, you you watch those videos. The guy he's got bags under his eyes. He's wearing a polo shirt with the collar popped up. There's nothing cool about anyone in the band. And, uh, and that I'll agree with. But he was a dreamboat. Uh, well, and uh, oh, for me, and I get I've been having a lot of arguments with people who listen to the show recently because for me Huey Lewis music is the music that does not hold up anymore it just it doesn't hold up for me for me personally I don't know I don't I'm not gonna fight you Christy pop up like I'll 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 I'll, I don't know I don't know I think it's produced well lots of people love it I'm just saying that's for me for yeah. me, for me, and and there's no other right. artist that is so tied into those videos. Like I can't not see the videos right. when I hear a Huey Lewis song. I yes. just can't. Was that yeah. on sports? Yo, oh, yes, yeah. sports. It had, uh, it had rock like rock and roll, seven hit singles or something. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it was. Yes. it was huge. Well, that came after yeah. four. No, no, no. You're right. I'm sorry. Never mind what I said. Sports is first. Well, it was then after four. the one that had uh, uh, taken what they're giving because yeah. working for yeah. That was the one before. Yes, that's do, with Do You Believe in Love yeah. and Working. Yeah, yeah. Yes, which I love. Those. Oh, that's just my. I problem. do love I that guess. album. That's picture. This is my favorite Huey Lewis album. Okay. And then, n- not so much the rest, but right, a man. great, a great story and a great remembrance. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Down on the Jersey Shore. <laughs> If Huey Lewis came on, I would take a golf club and beat the jukebox until it wouldn't play anymore. Michael, what do you got for us? Um, this is a uh, this next one's a tribute. I worked with a guy named Charles for a while in the late '80s, early '90s, and contrary to popular belief that uh, you had to be cool to work at uh, to work at our store, you you really didn't. Like I'd have like cool people come and apply and they never got the job because you needed someone who it was still customer service and you needed them to show up on time and not scare people. And so, you know, the, 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 the typically cool people never got jobs. Uh, Charles um, was very, he, I haven't, I don't know where I'm sure he's off to bigger and better things. He was a great bass player, very smart, but he, he never really fit in. And uh, as far as musically was concerned, his favorite band was Rush. And uh, so he would come in and he would, he was, he was smart, but he was a little cantankerous to work with. And <laughs> sometimes, so after a while, I, when he, when I'd see him coming in, cause the store was small, I'd have everyone in the store. I'd ask everyone in the store to say hello to him as soon as he walks in. And it would just drive him crazy. And uh, it, we, one time we were doing a, uh, I think we were doing inventory which was just a drag. And Charles had this kind of big voice. He's always talking like this. And I believe he was talking about getting a vasectomy. And they, you know, he's in his early 20s. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know if I should do it. I've talked to doctors. And I finally stood up. And there was like maybe like four, four or five people in the store. I was like, I'm sorry. A show of hands. Who wants to hear the rest of the story? And everyone looks around like one one lonely guy raises his hand. I'm like, I just don't know if we can do this. Charles, you gotta, you gotta pick a new story to tell. Cause when he was telling your story, everyone could hear what he was saying. Um, and I, uh, 
like I said, Rush was his favorite band. I would sometimes sing Rush songs and insert his name in them and sing it to him lovingly, which he really <laughs> would get upset. So this is for Charles. He, uh, wherever he is, uh, I'm sorry if I made your life hell sometimes. <laughs> I sure hope he had the operation because I, I don't think that guy should have, had, should have children. He doesn't sound like a guy that needs to have children. You have no idea. <laughs> uh, um, you know what? The first record store I worked at, which was, again, Peaches in Bethel Park, PA, uh, that's kind of how it was. There were no, no one that worked there was cool. You know, there was, uh, there was Tracy and Viv and me and... And I forget the woman's name that ran it, but she was like super skinny and always smoked and no one was cool, but we all knew, we knew our stuff. If you came in, we knew what you were looking for. And, um, the next song I'm going to play, it's uh, it's a Bob Seger song, uh, because <laughs> when, when this album came in, it, uh, the, uh, it was Viv's favorite band. Bob Seger was her favorite band. And so whenever it was her turn to play album side, she would uh, kick it off with some American Storm, <laughs> for sure. Getting out on some uncharted path, you turning back. out there on the street tonight when things go wrong you're guaranteed to make them right if the price is right every time I look you're falling falling by the wind every time I turn around he's there again this is for Viv it's like a Now, Peaches was like a big warehouse building. So the ceilings were like 20, 30 feet high. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you would crank up the stereo, like, you know, like a half hour before you're ready to open and we would really be able to crank it up. I mean, it was, it was heaven. It was fantastic. And the other thing I remember about Peaches was uh, at Christmas time, we would all go in the back room and we could take any of the promo copies we wanted to. So it just, uh, you just got lucky if you were like there, you know, first, you know, like, ah, oh, I'm not working till the next day. So you guys are going to get first crack at it, but we could take anything we want. And I remember, I thought she was kidding the manager. I'm like, well, can I take this? Yeah. And this take whatever you want. Can I take 10 albums? Take yes, whatever, whatever you want to take. So, <laughs> 
One more thing. Before I worked at a record store and before there was the internet and all this stuff, you would hear a song on the radio. Like that was uh, that was Tonight It's You by Cheap Trick. They have a new album coming out in a couple of weeks. So I was the guy that I would call the record store like every day. Uh, when's the new Cheap Trick album coming out? I don't know. I haven't heard anything about it. Okay, next day. Do you guys know anything about the new Cheap Trick album? What's it called? I don't know, but they were playing a song on the radio. Yeah, we, we don't have anything on the... And it would just... Be, I would be relentless. I'd call a couple times a day. Are you relentless? I know. Hard I know. to believe. It's a surprise. <laughs> I, I, it's strange. I didn't listen to the radio much, but I, I got my parents to get me a subscription to Rolling Stone when I was in sixth grade. And I think I mainly got it just so I could look at the ads. Yes. Because that was the only way you found out records came out. Well, Michael, do you remember then when you were working at Moby Disc, do you remember Ice Magazine? Oh, yes, of course. Ice Magazine. There were like a couple articles in it, but then for the most part, it would just be like a date, November 3rd, uh, you know, 1999, and then just a list of everything that was coming out. And I had a subscription to that. And when it would come, I would sit down with a yellow highlighter and I'd be like, oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Aerosmith's coming out. Oh, 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 baby's reissue. All right, I'm getting that. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Was, wow. Yeah, it was nuts. Uh, Christy, wow. Christy, you're up. Money bags. I know. Um. Okay. Well, when we were dropped off at the Ridge Marmont. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The one that had the two record stores. Hastings was like the A store. But there was also Craig's. And <laughs> Wait, Craig's, Craig's? down by the Craig's, <laughs> down by the JC Penney's and the El Phoenix. Or maybe that was Dillard's. Anywho. Hi, I'm so Craig, he, and this is would... my record store. Come on <laughs> I in. I got everything Hastings has except a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, I will say I found something there that I still have. And that is the soundtrack <sighs> from McVicker. Now, rem remember, I'm now, as a child, a fan of The Who. And <laughs> there was this gritty um, bank robbing drama. Yeah, it's based, that... on, it's, on a true, it's based on a true story. <laughs> well, I, of course, saw it. And I, I'm, I, it's so funny what we had access to as right. children. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's fine. It wasn't like, but it's like, like, why, like I remember um, doing a dance in the fourth grade to the theme from Shaft. And so, like, when Shaft came on as, a, I don't know, sixth grader, I'm like, oh, I want to see Shaft. And it was fine. I, it's not that I didn't enjoy these movies, but it was just, if I walked in on, like, Johnny watching, like, just some gritty cop, thing i would be like what are you doing but anywho who i uh the movie's okay i guess i don't remember the movie but i do uh like the music from it and this is the this is mcvicker the, the title track the title track from mcvicker let's hear it Jesus. 
Note. Yeah, people are watching this or they're listening to it. No, I will put this video up for the Patreon people only. Okay, so that's like, what are they just gonna see us bobbing along? Yeah, to the music? sure, they are. So I'm holding up, okay. my, hold up your McVicker, uh, Christy, because I'll do a screenshot. And Kyle, hold up yours, and then uh, <laughs> Michael, grab your copy. I told you everyone to get a copy. Um, this is a great album. Bitter and Twisted, yeah. Just a Dream Away, Free Me, Without Your Love, Waiting for a Friend. This album is a killer. Michael, have you heard this album? I, I haven't. I'm familiar with it. I had no idea it was all songs written for the for film. I've... Yes. And uh, wow. Ken, Kenny Jones plays drums on this album. So, of course, Christy loves it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just it's such a killer album. Yeah. And I've been looking for that movie. You can't, it's nowhere. It's not streaming. I can't okay. find it anywhere because I want to see it again. Yeah. I'm curious if I, I can only remember like him being the bank robber. Right. And I remember him playing with the kid mm -hmm. in that, during that song. Um, uh, anyway. Yeah. Has it had it. Yeah. That and, reminded me, I'm sure Pat, you, you know, this. And it's something that's gone away and never coming back. But how many records we bought because there were budgets? Yeah. Because that's all we could afford. Yeah. You know, so it's like yes. when I got into Pink Floyd as a kid, I had to buy like Adam Hart Mother. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Like metal, like, right. which I came to love because I couldn't <laughs> afford Dark Side of the Moon yeah. or Wish You Were Here. It's like all these, all, all the five ninety nine albums. You're like, well, that's I only have six dollars, so I guess I'll get this one. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that when I lived out, yes. when I first moved to Chicago in 89 and I did not have a penny to my name, there was some weird record store where they would just get, it was all cutouts and you would just, they were oh. really, really in no specific order. So I, you know, I didn't have any money to, to, to go eat, to eat or to a movie or to do anything. So I would go there and just leaf through all the albums and, uh, and, you know, buy maybe one or two, you know, but, um, it was great. It was, a, it was a great place to go and just, uh, clear your head from the misery that you've, uh, you've moved into. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember like, because of that, like I would load up on the records I wanted for Christmas Yeah. and my dad would get very creative with, cause you can't just wrap a record no. you know what it is. Yeah. And I remember one time they put a huge box that was filled with balloons mm -hmm. so it was you know i had to dig through the balloons to get to like the car's candio or there was an envelope saying like go to the shower and then like uh <laughs> tattoo you or whatever or uh, uh, maybe that was uh undercover or whatever it would be sitting there nice so that you it was a surprise <laughs> but i would load up it would be christmas birthday holidays i just wanted records again good good parenting surprising the child i like it i like yeah. it michael yeah. What's next for you? Um, well, you know, uh, I was thinking back to like, we were all nerds um, working in the store. No one was cool. Mm -hmm. we, we all did try to outdo each other by, by the records because we, we not only did we work in the store, but everyone were kind of record fanatics. So they, you know, when your day's off, you'd go to other record stores and shop. And um, 
and you, and there was always this kind of competition <laughs> about what you found, especially imports or rarities. Like I found this and then you came back to the store and subtly showed them off. And, uh, you know, then in the eighties, nineties, there was on Melrose, there was Aaron's records and Renee's all ears records. And, um, I, I was at Renee's once and it, it, I had the option of buying, it was the same week that Echo and the Bunnymen's Ocean Rain came out, uh, which was a hot ticket item. We were all talking about it, but it was the same week that the second Bananarama record came out. And I was a big Bananarama fan. So I mm -hmm. opted for the second, the, I bought the import vinyl of the second Bananarama record, came back to work thinking I was really gonna strut my stuff. And I took a lot of heat for not buying the Echo and the Bunnyman record. <laughs> Um, and if my coolness factor, what however lim limited it was, went down. But um, this is, uh, I still love Bananarama, at least first two records. And this is Cruel Summer. It's great, great song. Yes. It's great. Very nice. What'd yeah, you I, say, Pat? I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Uh, yeah, Michael. I was. I, I was never like. I never like listened to whatever anyone was listening to because it was the cool thing to listen to. I just embraced whatever my ear liked, no matter what it was. So you know, and so I missed out on a lot of stuff. And then, but then, in my music doesn't go away. So I've con since doing the show, I've continued to rediscover bands that maybe I missed. Or uh, and all that kind of stuff. So that's the great thing about music; it, it's not going anywhere. Um, one of the first one of the, when I was living in Chicago, I moved there in '89. Uh, my girlfriend was in med school there, and then two months after I was there, she broke up with me. So I'm just like, you know, just horribly depressed. And so I would just go to record, you know, the records. I think I was working at the Gap, and I was trying to get sets at comedy clubs, and just you know, it was just one of those times. But there was a there was a record store there called sound warehouse and it was gigantic. It was like four floors. So I'm bored one night, nothing to do, no money, no friends. So I go down to sound warehouse and I'm in there and the needle drops on this album. The band is skid row. And this is what I hear. <laughs> Kyle play this. Oh, 
So they drop the needle on the CD, like the digital needle. They drop it. They play the CD, and I'm like, that was that song was right in my wheelhouse in 1989. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And so then the next song plays, and the next song plays, and I stay in the record store and listen to the whole entire album. And I go up to the counter. I go, well, what, what was that album you were just playing? Oh, we just got this in as a new band, Skid Row. I bought it. <laughs> I didn't have any money. I'll take it. Sold Skid Row. That got me through. That got me through some months of misery. That first Skid Row album. And I will tell wow. this. I will tell this same story to Sebastian Bach when I finally get him on this show. But um, but yeah, I just I just love it. And it's uh, it's just one of those albums. that makes me think of a of a time. And it uh, it was what mm-hmm. I needed at the time. So thank you, uh, Skid Row. <laughs> wow. I know. Sorry. Yeah. Love it. That is quite a story. I, um, my next one. um, So we had all those record stores in Fort Worth. But when the once a year time was, when you got to go to Dallas, like the Dallas Galleria was, I mean, they had an ice skating rink and a movie theater. And it was just a, a, in set, like, and there was, I think there was a McDonald's in it. It was just the coolest mall. And you, and we'd only go like once a year. It was a trip. It was like an outing. You would get to go to the Dallas Galleria. And I, there was a record store there, the name of which I don't even remember. But I picked up, it was a, a 45 that had a B side of the cars. This is on from Candio. Uh, the A side of Let's Go, the B side is a song called That's It, which was previously unreleased. Yeah. And I am like, this is why Dallas is Dallas, because like I can get stuff like this. In fact, I think I don't know. Did you give me this one, Pat? I think you someone gave me this one, which I, is a I did a, not give a, you that. A, a, okay. But well, anyway, I have two of them. Okay, Christy, how do you <laughs> now wait? Yes. So you still have these things from when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. That's amazing because like I like sold all my albums when I moved out here. Uh, I sold all my comic books. I sold, I sold anything that I had in order to move, you know, to Chicago and then out here. And then by that time, everything I replaced almost everything with CDs. Now I'm going back like this McVicker album is something I found you know, last year to use record store and it's, oh. and the pressing's great. I cleaned it. It sounds terrific. But, uh, but I'm amazed that you, you hung onto your stuff. That's great. Well, I only had like one crate okay. of them. Like I, I, there were some that I left behind when I went to college, like the Disney records or like the star Wars soundtrack, yeah. like those I kind of, you know, but anything that was music, music, I took with me, Nice, you know, and, and, yeah. And I just, because there was, it was just one crate and it was very easy to kind of move that one crate. Um, but yeah, the cassettes, I, those, I got, those have just gone away or whatever. And the CDs, I just don't know what to do with all the CDs. I just don't even know. I haven't, I ha- cause I listened to it digitally. I, I was so my son who's 11 is growing up in a time where he can just ask, you know, who I'm not going to say her name because she'll ask me what I want. But I can just play whatever songs, yeah, and uh, you know, which is great because I can be like, "Oh, I want to, I want to play this song for you." Um, uh, 
but it's just, it's not the same. In fact, I was watching recently, there was an interview with Weird Al Yankovic, because my son loves Weird Al Yankovic, uh, and it's for some comedy museum, and um, Lin-Manuel Miranda and uh, Jimmy Fallon are interviewing him, and he was saying, he was just mentioning how he uh, started taping the Dr. Demento show, or they were talking about songs, how you hear them on the radio, and you would miss those first few seconds because you were recording right. them. Like you would just, you didn't, that first five seconds or whatever you didn't have because you would just go and you would record. Uh, uh, anyway, but it was hard to hear your favorite song. You had to wait for it and trying to explain to my son radio stations and radio programs and all of that. And here he can just say the name of a song and it plays in several rooms. <laughs> yeah, they do. It's, but it's, anyway. uh, yeah, they don't get, they don't, un- I mean, not that they don't understand or they don't get it. It's just, it's, uh, it's of a time. Yeah. It's sad yeah, to say, oh, Alexa, play McVicker. <laughs> and so she was unavailable. unavailable. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, uh, I, I, cu- I, I cut you off queuing up. Uh, let's hear the cars. That's it. Oh yeah. 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 Like you just, it, you had to wait for them to be in the magazines or cause that's it. We didn't have yeah. that. We literally didn't have any kind of, uh, you couldn't just go look them up. It was, it was, so I was just that, that was a big deal when I found that in Dallas. Yeah. If you saw, if you saw Pretty one silly. of your, if you saw one of your favorite bands back then on TV and like talking in an interview, you were just like, what the heck? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yes. There was a there was a show called I think it was on PBS called Soundstage. Yes. And I remember one Saturday afternoon I'm just flipping around the TV and all of a sudden it's a cheap trick live from Navy Pier in Chicago on Soundstage and I was like what is this? I mean your head exploded. Robin yes. Zander in this green suit. I'm like and his hair's bleached white. I'm like I am not leaving. It's sunny outside. I'm not going outside today and getting sun. I'm watching this. It was amazing. Yeah. I loved it. Another one of those was Rock Goes to College. Yes. Do you remember? I I've just only remember heard about my, that recently. Yeah. My friend yeah. had on TV the big box with the to turn it on. And oh, okay. Turn it off. And uh, I and it, it was uh, it must have been a BBC show, but I remember it, it was a vintage Bon Scott ACDC concert uh-huh. and a vintage Police concert. And I think at the time we were more into ACDC and it was just, you know, I, I should have played some ACDC because Bon Scott ACDC is some of my favorite stuff. I love those old, uh. I love the old Bon Scott clips when he's missing a tooth. Like there's some where his, and then he got his teeth yes. fixed, but some he, he they looked uh, weird. I was talking, who was I talking about the other? I think my friend Mike Schmidt, we were talking about the Bon Scott era of ACDC uh, is dangerous. 
Uh-huh. Now, I love Brian Johnson because I, you know, I kind of, that was my introduction kind of. So I love Brian Johnson. But that, when you listen to those first five with Bon Scott, there's like a, da- there's like something, there's danger in there. They're going to yes. kick, those guys are going to yeah. kick your ass after they yeah. play for you. He, he, no. had, he, he didn't even need to put on a shirt. Every time no. it's just like, it's yeah. just like his jeans he's been in all day. Yes. No uh-huh. shirt. That's no shirt. Doing. Sometimes the denim vest over no yeah, shirt. Right. So it was like cut off like a vest denim situation. Now, Pat, do we think they're, they have one more tour in them? And I'm asking as a mom <clears throat> of a child who loves them. And I would love no. to be able to take him to an ACD concert. Christy, what do you think? Didn't you learn your lesson when you took him to Joan Jett and he fell asleep? <laughs> okay. Okay. This, by the way, <laughs> and you had a pricey, and you had a pricey ticket. I know where your seats were. That's a pricey ticket. Okay. First of all, there were like seventeen bands that took the stage before Heart. <laughs> it was a crazy school night. Starts at eight, and there's four bands. Yeah. Um. So yes, he fell asleep, but he'll be like almost twelve by the time that we can see things, and so let's just say that's not okay. going to be part all right. of it. Okay. Well, he, Are, do we think they have yes. one more? Time? What I will tell you is, the new album "Power Up" is the number one album in the world right now. It's the number really? one album like in the world. In the world. So yes, okay. they're definitely going to tour again. I will tell you this: David Wilde invited me to watch the Grammy. Uh, uh, it wasn't the dress rehearsal; it was just like the tech rehearsal. <gasps> so he invited me when ACDC was on. This is like three or four years ago, and it was the loudest thing I had ever heard. I had to put my fingers in my ears. So what I will tell you is when you do take Johnny, definitely 100% across the board for the whole family ear protection, because I saw them on the black ice tour also. And it was just, it was so loud. It's ridiculously loud. Did you go to that for one of the forum shows? Yes. The one at the forum. My wife and I, and my son Finn was still uh, in in my wife's uh, stomach it was the loudest show. I felt like I all of a sudden I turned 60. Yes. I had the paper in my ears. It hurt. It, it, it did so hurt. Loud. It hurt. It was that loud. So, um, okay. I can't wait. I'll, I'll join you. Cause I, I, I love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> now was Michael, was Michael at the Joan Jett show? There was someone in the box with you. There, a friend joined you. Brendan. Okay. No, it yes. wasn't Michael. Okay. Michael, what's your next song for us? Um, maybe we should skip over the next one. You, uh, you can do whatever you want, Michael. Let's skip over the next one. Uh, this is just a funny aside because, and again, when you're when you're trying to close the store, we had all kinds of closing music. Okay. Um, <laughs> because no one ever wanted to leave, and uh, you know, you'd start making announcements, but sometimes, especially on the weekends, you knew like you had to kind of put it into gear. So this is a, uh, <laughs> a, a, a song from an 80s German industrial band called Einstrasende Neubatten. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's, a, it's a song called Habler Mesh, Mensch.
if that doesn't get him out of there, I don't know what does. <laughs> that, oh my gosh, that's that like really some omen me. music. Yeah, that's yeah, that's uh, <laughs> look out, bring in the hounds. Oh, uh, oh my god! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta. There we had a handful of them, but that was Lou Reed's metal machine music was another uh, one. Uh, so just you always had your get oh out of the god. store music. I. Uh, <laughs> I purchased a, a Lou Reed box set a couple years ago. It's got like all the R, uh, RCA and Arista stuff in it and metal machine music's in there. So, you know, I load it all up in my iTunes and I get to that one and literally like four seconds, I'm like, I can't ever listen to this. I'll never listen to this. Uh, double record. Yes, I know. <laughs> double the pain. Uh, uh, what's next? <laughs> what do I got? Oh, this is another, this is another, uh, thievery story from this is from chicago i know i'm sorry christy so this is coconuts records in chicago Uh, i was working two jobs at the time just making enough money just to just to pay the rent and maybe eat and that's it i was working at the gap and at coconuts so one night we're closing up it's just me and the manager uh there's like three or four new CDs that just came out. There's a, a John Mellencamp. I, I think it's a big daddy. And uh, there's a, a new Cindy Lauper, uh, a night to remember CD came out and then uh, Queens, the miracle, they all came out and I couldn't afford to buy any of them. So I, during my break, I put them, I hid them back in the, uh, in the, in the bathroom in the, uh, and so before we were leaving, uh, I said, oh, I have to, let me go to the bathroom. And it's, I'm with my manager. I'm with the manager. It's just her and I. We're locking up. I go back to the bathroom. I have a backpack. I put, I put them in my backpack and I zip it up. And then, I'm, and then we're, we're heading out the door. And right when I get to the door, I realize this store does have the, the um, what do you call it? Oh. The scan, the beep, beep, beep. So I, I get like a foot from that and I'm like, oh no, I didn't think out my plan well enough. So I have to tell her, I go, you know what? I have to go to the bathroom again, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Oh. So then I go back and I take them out and I put me and then, and then, and then I don't know what became of them the next day. I didn't work the next day. So if someone found them, they found them, but uh, I almost got busted, but that leads me to the song breakthrough by queen. <laughs> I don't know this one. Honey, I'm touching something. song i like i ended up purchasing it purchasing it later hmm. there was no more sti- there was no more thievery after that after that i'm like oh this is what are you doing what are you that doing to the peloton yeah. marketing people it feels like a peloton <laughs> yeah yeah yep. let's now, go would you charge less for that because like less people want that song <laughs> Like, it's just not like, a, it's not in like the popular queen cattle. It's like, you guys can't afford these, but here's the discount queen bin if you want to pick That's something. That's a good question. Like, cut out. What do you got for I 10 mean, grand? Some of them, right. Like, do some artists have specific stuff in the catalog that's cheaper? 
Uh, well, I, I, I probably, but you know, if a, if a music supervisor or a director wants it, the publishers are like, yeah, you're going to pay as much for a breakthrough as you are for, uh, uh, you know, under pressure, or, you know, uh, we are the champions. Huh. Are you ever like, why, why do they want this song? Um, yeah, you know, the worst, and look, I, I fancy, I'm, I'm proud to say I'm not a creative person in the, in the motion picture industry, but, uh, when you hear the kind of money they spend and then when you when you have to when you see it on screen or on a cue sheet and it's on a radio underneath some dialogue and they spent you know seventy five thousand dollars on it and you're like you could have gone with something else <laughs> my favorite that song made no difference in that scene my favorite is when you watch a movie and whatever song is playing when you see the movie, it's obviously not the music that was playing on set the day when they filmed the movie because they're not really to the beat of what ended up in the movie. It's something different. <laughs> and Christy, as a screenwriter, I'm going to ask you this. When you, write, uh, when you write a spec script or whatever, if there's, if there's a part where you want music, will you state like, that a certain piece of music is playing or do you just do it generic like 70s disco track plays what do you do well that's that's such an interesting question because i i that's just an interesting question what i do is like i wrote this roller skating movie mm -hmm. and yeah i could literally fill that thing with exactly what i want to hear right but what i did was i chose specific times and I would still say something akin to Rita Coolidge, uh, uh, We're All Alone okay. uh, plays. So I, I, I split the diff. Like I, I don't do it all, uh, but I will, I do, because I want people to think a certain thing or like, oh, that opening song of Babe uh, from Styx plays as the lights dim. But I'll say something akin to just so that people know that like we're, you know, I'm willing to work with you and gotcha. budget here, but yeah, that's yeah, the question. Like, you don't want someone reading it and saying, well, we can't make this. We can't afford these six songs. Right. Which, which it should be like a given, but right. people are dumb. So yeah, people I want to <laughs> make sure. Yeah. And Mike, yeah. I have a question for you. When a band re-records its classic catalog, is that so they can sell those new versions to advertising and get the lion's share of the money? Is that why like a Blondie and a Journey and a Kiss, they'll go in and record like all their classic hits over? Is that what yeah, happens? That's exactly it. Okay. Because, you know, if, if depending, you know, the, the, the you know, the, mu the major music labels, you know, are not friendly. So, you know, it, you know, some of these artists, believe it or not, may not be completely recouped or, their deals are old and don't don't give them a lion's share of the of, of the master use license money. So yeah. it just makes sense for them because then they they can't play dry. You know they can you know uh, they can come very close to a, a, a perfect re-record. I think Squeeze did it. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly and and especially if they have new pub. You know if if they're on friendly terms with their publishers or even if not if they're not. You know it just it's it's much better for them. Because they'll 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 get a fraction of the of the fee if if the major label licenses it out. So gotcha. This um we did that on King of the Hill. We used uh, I want to say it was either we're not going to take it or I want to rock one of the two. D. Snyder had re-recorded it, 
And it was just supposed to be playing on a ca- in a car. Right. So it didn't. And what we also did was because we didn't want we wanted it to be playing and then play at the end of the scene. But instead of paying for it twice, we just put it we just turned it down so low that you couldn't really <laughs> hear it. So that we only had to pay for that one thing. You didn't have to pay for it twice, if that makes sense. Yeah. We, I remember hearing that and thought that was so interesting. And that's super sneaky because now D. Snyder records it himself. So then the band isn't getting any any taste of that money. Yeah. Sneaky D. Sneaky D is yeah. what we call him in the show. One, uh, <laughs> what was the, oh, I had something else on the tip of my tongue. I forgot what it was. Probably, I forget. All right, Christy, you got another song for us? Yes. Oh, yes. This is my last song I brought. Okay. So record stores phased out, and there was, uh, in the early 2000s, a new record store that emerged, which was this cool thing called eBay. And uh, I was working in the human resources department at Warner Brothers, and um, we drew Secret Santas. And Dave Allen, who I'm still friendly with, but he said, give me your wish list. And I was like, I wanted to pick the most obscure um, record that I could say I wanted uh, because like, good luck. And then it, you know, because eBay existed, he was able to find it. And it is, there's a guy named Billy Thorpe. I have this album. He's, he did Children of the Sun was his one kind of big song. But there was another song that got a lot of airplay uh, in the 80s in my town, and it's called In My Room. And this was from eBay. I got this record. Yeah, that's not available digitally. You can't find that anywhere. So the uh, what Kyle will be playing for us is from, uh, is oh. from uh, YouTube. Yeah, it's... Uh, right. Yeah. YouTube. I have never heard that before, and I didn't uh, preview it before I sent it to Kyle. Good song. Yeah, That's right? fun. Yeah. Kind of a, I, I liked that song, and I played it on the radio, but I never could find it yeah. in any other. And eBay, you can find anything. Michael, here's a question for you. Uh, a couple uh, a couple weeks ago, Nils Lofgren was on my show, and uh, so I needed to find some Nils Lofgren stuff, and I went to iTunes, and a lot of it isn't even on there yet. Why aren't these artists getting all their music out there digitally? I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. Do you know? Maybe you don't. It it depends. I mean, I thought someone was, maybe I thought I heard from a a friend in the industry that like someone, like what label was, do you remember what label most of his stuff is on? Um, I don't know, but these were two big albums. One was produced by Jeff Skunk Baxter and one was produced by Bob Ezrin. So I felt like these should be on iTunes. Well, some of it could be because, you know, a lot of these old deals, 
you know, if, if the artist wants to play hardball, a lot of the old deals don't don't necessarily um, allow for streaming mm-hmm. and digital. And I, I think if you can make enough noise, you can try to either ne- renegotiate or, and at that point, the labels just might be, you know, it's just too much work. Gotcha. I mean, it's it's amazing how much stuff is not available. Yeah. I mean, when, when you consider the, 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 the breadth of, of, of what's up on Spotify, I mean, I don't know percentage, but it, you know, there's, it, it can only, it's got to only be like 40, 50% maybe, you know, because there's so like, you know, in catalogs, especially when I was at EMI and, and Capital and then at Universal, because when I was at Universal, they absorbed so many labels. It was just shocking the amount of titles that were just not available digitally, not available physically. And, and, you know, unless someone, a manager or a friend of the artist or the estate really makes a, makes some noise, it's hard to, yeah. you know, we had, I remember Universal, we, we had, I would get handwritten letters uh, from, from people like demanding that like the most obscure records come out and they would call and leave messages and, and you don't want to call them back because you're afraid of them. So you just, uh, but yeah, that is, that is the reason. I mean, I was, I, I was playing, it was Nils on those two crazy horse records. Yes. Yeah, I was playing those the other day, and I was wondering if even those are are those up for streaming because those are great records. I think I think the Neil Young stuff mostly is. Here's another question: since you mentioned Universal, um, so they really did lose a lot of masters during in that fire, didn't they? You know what? Short answer: the way I know, and I don't want to get called in, but short answer: yes. <laughs> but but what a, a lot of it was production masters, where you know because. Ideally, you have when, when a record will go from, you know, multi-track recording mm-hmm. to mix mix reels to a production master, and the production master is what makes the album. Okay. So, I do believe some of those production masters, you know, there was there was a lot of those production masters that were burned, but you know, the the mix reels and multi-tracks weren't. I mean, it was still bad. Yeah. Anyway, slice it. But, you know, it was kind of, it, there was a gray area in that, you know, unless you really like understood how the process of, you know, recording to, to physical product goes, there was, there was, there's a, it, it's not like everything was gone. Okay. I mean, a few, few things I believe were gone. Yeah. But, but a lot of it was, uh, uh, you know, production masters, you know, because back then, you know, and I, I, I've heard this from guys who used to cut vinyl through the, the 70s. Like, you know, I, I, a guy who used to work with the Capitol Records, when, like, Michael Jackson's Thriller, like, was out, they, they, you know, there was the country, you know, there was record plants all over the country. And every record plant was pressing that record. Okay. You know, and which means they're cutting, there was a lot of production masters for one given record. You gotcha. Know? Um, which is why, like, now when you see reissues, yeah, we want to go to the back to the original master and you can find the original master from which everything is, is kind of made from. All right. Good to know. So listeners, Mike, if there's engineers listening, they're going to disagree with me. So listeners, Michael's saying all is not lost. No, no. All right. I mean, it's a shame. Some of it's a shame. Um, and, and when you walk through the universal archives, like the, the, the beacons building in Hollywood, uh, used to have a lot of, you know, it's just, it's like Indiana Jones. It's just, rows and rows and rows of tapes and, and you're like it's amazing because you figure 10 percent of this made money 10 percent of it is acts people know 
but it's still valuable. It's still worth something. Yeah. So you got to save it. That's incredible. What, uh, you got one more song for us, Michael? I do. And I, th this, I don't know if it's a good one to end on. You but, sound you know, excited. You I, sound excited about it. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I really, I miss, I miss record stores. I, you know, I, I made no money. Um, but I, you know, all the jobs I subsequently got were because I, I made no money in record stores for a long time. Um, and I think what it is, is that record stores, I think you touched on it, had like this mystery, you know, now you can just get online, you can find out who it is, you can stream it. You, yes. you don't necessarily have to work too hard. And, <laughs> you know, there was a point where you did, you know, and so this next uh, yep. this song is from the Pixies. And I, I like the Pixies. I remember the reason I want to play it is because when it, this their first EP came out, they were they were a band from Boston. You have, but their first EP came out through a very like very hip British label. There was no pictures of the band on it. It was very strange artwork. And then you have this song, and it was like it it was such a mystery, and you had to work at it. You had to you know <laughs> talk to people in the store like what is this? You know there was so much sharing of of knowledge and fun and, and, and things you don't get anymore because we can just bring it all up. Right. And, it, and, and in some ways, maybe it means less. I don't know. And then there were like, there were like conspiracy elements too. I heard that they played this in the back of a car through a tuba. <laughs> what? So, uh, all right. What's the song called, Michael? It's called, uh, oh boy, Kyle, did I put it down here? Let me see. I, it's I uh, Isla D. Enchanta. Yeah. Ooh. Isla D. Enchanta. Just play a little bit of it. Very nice, Kyle. Manita, ven conmigo. explanation why they're singing in spanish it was just it was all the, <laughs> you know, it was one of those things you went to the store and you're like what is this and you started a conversation and and maybe make a friend and uh, i'm yeah. relaxing here but that's what it's about yeah no it's uh, absolutely that's I'm what it's about 100 yeah with you and then you you hear a band and then you'd go under that band's name and look at the other records they had and what they look like and uh, it was just a whole the mystery i think it, it, it was right it was before mtv that right before and even with mtv but certainly right before when you just had there that was it and yes you had rolling stone but rolling stone was a lot of like politics or whatever right. actors and actresses uh, to me, and even like Hit Parader, which was great, a lot of it was just song lyrics. Remember, it was pages and pages of they just reprint song right. lyrics. But anywho, so it, it, I'm 100% with you. It was just such a, and they'd have the song books and you'd see more pictures of them or they'd have merchandise in that little one little area. And that was just, it was all so exciting and discovery and all of that. Well, uh, and it's still going on though, Michael, we're still meeting people through music. I mean, I basically met Chrissy through music. I've now met yes. you through music over the past 10 years. I've met so many listeners that have become my friends because we are just music junkies. And so I just love it. And with that, Michael, I'm going to say you're, you can come back here anytime you want. 
I you, will come back you, whenever you want me you, to. You, I, I, you I could do this all day. You think of a topic, you let me know, and we'll uh, we'll do it. Kyle, you're done. The most expensive <laughs> songs. The most expensive <laughs> songs ever. Oh, oh that great. would be kind of fun. I could do some research on that. One more question. Billion-dollar billion episode. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, Alice Cooper's billion-dollar baby, she can get that for a buck. It's so weird. Um, <laughs> Michael, a lot of people on Twitter this week were posting like uh, – there's Spotify, like their most played songs on Spotify this year. Uh, How does this work? Like I see, you know, like you see Richard Marks, 72 million streams this year. What does he make? Like four cents? I mean, how does it, how do they even keep track of it? You know, anyone with a, a, a with a, you know, with a, that's on a major label, it, it's, you know, they make blanket deals. They, they have blanket deals. And I okay. think that's, that's some of the problem is, it, with the major labels, the artists now, notwithstanding a plus artists, but like catalog artists or, you know, that's why they, they have such a trouble with it because they don't see, I don't believe they see much money from it. Yeah. Now I can tell you, cause I, I run, I kind of administer a, a, a label for Paramount where we release soundtracks digitally. And, you know, it's a, it's kind of a one person show, but you can, tra- there it's transparent and, and there is money in streaming. I think the problem is there's money when you have the artist the label and then Spotify yeah. or Apple. I think the label makes these long, like these kind of big deals. And, you know, there's no, like there's these catalog artists, Eddie Money, Richard Marks, you know, unless they go back and renegotiate, there's not, not going to be a streaming royalty rate. They might be making their original royalty rate that, that accounted for cutouts and yeah, budgets and all these things that don't exist anymore, you know? Um, so that's that's where it's 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 hard and i feel for these i feel for a lot of these artists working in catalog you know you you work with people you you're you're here you know they're your heroes and stuff and then sometimes you just see they're living just like an average person even though they've been in the spotlight making music their whole life yeah you know Ladies and gentlemen, you've so. just listened to Industry Talk with Michael Murphy. It's a new segment <laughs> on the show. I'm not to talk about it. I'm kidding, Michael. I've, I ask you these questions. Um, all right, guys. The playout song for today, and Kyle, you don't have it, so I'll tack it on at the end. But it, it just happens to be, since, Christy, you started with a song from Face Dances, I went in my iTunes library and I just typed in the word record, and the song Daily Records came up uh-huh. from yes. Face Dances. So that'll be the playout yes. song. But before we go, Kyle, thank you so much for sitting in tonight and playing the music from uh, San Antonio, Texas. Christy, Mm -hmm. always wonderful to see your face. And next week we're recording the 2020 year in review. We're going to have 10 people in the Zoom room. It's going to be a crazy. I think I'm going to have to be like, like if someone plays a song, then I'm going to have to say like, oh, uh, Christy, what did you think of that song? I don't know if everyone's going to just be able to yell and chime in. It'll be interesting. Yeah. But, but you'll be here. Just make it a free for all. Just a just, just a free for all. All right. No holds barred. With Murray, you want Murray talking? Okay. Oh um, well. <laughs> how how can I sit by mic again though? Like that's mm. usually I'm sitting by mic. I see him once a year, and now I what with this? <laughs> well, hopefully, when you look at your screen next week, maybe he'll be next to you. <laughs> maybe he'll be next to you. what if i opened up the zoom window what if i opened up the zoom window and you and mike were in the same room together <laughs> wearing masks of course um michael thank you so much for joining us for the first time ever and thank you christy for introducing uh me and the Yay! world to michael murphy thank you you're welcome this is gonna this drops this thursday folks 
There's no, there's no turnaround at all this Thursday. Tune in. And with that, you can follow us on Twitter at rock solid show. You can follow me at Pat underscore Francis. Christy, where are you at on the Twitter? I'm, I, I got my Twitter account back. It's been gone for six weeks. It's a long story. I won't go into it, okay. but I'm back at Christy S man. I'm on Instagram at Christy Stratton. Kyle, you're at Kyle Dodson funny. And, and Michael, are you on Twitter or anywhere on social media? No, no. no I, uh... <laughs> All right. Well, if you just e- email me and I'll get in touch with Michael, if you have a question for him. And with that, we are done. Thank you so much, everybody. Take your time.